Welcome to Morning Soap. At Fusion Church, our desire is that every believer would not just attend church, but also hear from God daily through His Word. As we read the Bible, we begin to see how God responds to things. Doing daily devotions repatterns the way we think, transforms the spirit of our mind, and helps us become more like Jesus. Join us here, Monday through Friday, as various pastors and leaders at Fusion Church share devotion and teaching through that day's soap scripture. Download the current soap reading plan at fusionchurch.cc soap. So Father, we just want to thank you for the opportunity as your church uh, to be able to gather this morning, Lord, uh, just with the common po- purpose of, of seeking your face, Lord, uh, of allowing you to speak into our lives through the word you wrote many years ago. And I just pray, Father, that you would highlight uh, to each of us the specifics that you want us to apply in our lives, Lord, uh, the scriptures that you want to speak into us individually where we are living. So, Lord, we just give you the time. We thank you ahead of time uh, for speaking to us and touching us. And we pray it, Lord, in your strong name. Amen. Amen. So today uh, we're going to be doing Romans chapter 6, 20 to 23. I mean, sometimes we read these long, long passages, but this is a short one. Let me just say one PS. Uh, I wanted to say something last week on the soap, and I forgot to do it. Uh, we were looking last week at Matthew 2 and the wise men. And uh, one of the points I was trying to lift up is the idea of spiritual hunger and how that can be a good thing and can get us closer to the Lord. And I just want to lift up a book on that topic, a classic uh, that you may want to get into someday. And it's by A.W. Tozer. That's his initials, A.W. And then the last name is Tozer, T-O-Z-E-R. And it's called The Pursuit of God. It's a real classic in regards to seeking God to get closer to him, to be more intimate with him. And uh, I think it might really feed your soul. So I just want to throw that in from last week. So let's look at Romans chapter 6 and verses 20 through 23. For when you were slaves of sin, you were free in regard to righteousness. Therefore, what benefit were you deriving from the things of which you are now ashamed? For the outcome of those things is death. But now, having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit, resulting in sanctification and the outcome, eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. So four small verses, but boy, do they have uh, impact as we apply them in our lives. So as I'm looking at these four verses, just uh, two specific ideas came to my mind is number one, uh, either we're living in a state of slavery to some level, or we're living in freedom. Uh, That would be point one. And point two is there's results that occur in our life when we live in either slavery or freedom. We'll see that freedom produces certain things and slavery produces certain things in our lives. So, Let's just jump into that first point. Uh, 
Are we living in slavery to sin or are we living in a state of freedom? And to jump in here, I just want to start out with a verse that's before Romans 6. It's back a little ways, uh, just to kind of set the stage here, because if we don't buy this, then the idea of slaves to sin is not going to make any sense to us. Uh, and the verse I'm referring to is Romans 3.23, uh, and it says in that verse, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the Lord. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of the Lord. So what that's saying is every human being that has ever walked upon the earth has sinned. And we see that all through the Old Testament and knew there's no perfect people. Uh, that refers to anybody in the past that we see in the Bible. That refers to the present. Uh, that refers to you. It refers to me. It refers to people that are not on the soap. Every human being, past, present, and everyone that will be born in the future, battles a problem. Uh, the Bible calls that problem sin. Uh, and basically, as we go forward, uh, we'll see that not only do we battle sin and guilt, uh, but we also battle uh, bondages. That sin kind of entraps us, and it kind of like an octopus puts its, its feelers around us and holds us fast sometimes. And I think an illustration of this uh, that probably speaks most to me about this battle with sin and slavery to it, or you might call bondages, is found in Romans chapter 7. So if you just flip your page, uh, Romans 7, 15. This is the Apostle Paul. Okay, and he lays out, I appreciate Paul. He doesn't dress it up and put on a facade. He's very real in the scriptures about his own life uh, and his own struggles and his own victories. But listen, listen to Paul and see if this doesn't paint a picture to you of slavery to sin and bondage. So look at Romans 7 and look at verse 15. Here's Paul. For that which I'm doing, I don't understand. For I am not practicing what I would like to do. But I'm doing the very thing I hate. Jump down to verse 18. For I know that nothing good dwells in me, that is, in my flesh. For the wishing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I wish, I do not do, but I practice the very evil I don't wish. But if I am doing the very thing I do not wish, I am no longer the one doing it, but sin which dwells in me. I find then the principle that evil is present in me, the one who wishes to do good. For I joyfully concur with the law of God in the inner man, but I see a different law in the members of my body waging war against the law of my mind, making me, and here's the word, we talked about slave, right? We talked about bondage, but here's another word you could use. Uh, making me a what? A prisoner. Okay? You know, we see pictures on TV. Uh, maybe we've, we visited a prison at some point. Somebody that's behind the walls, they're held bound. They can't get out of the prison. They're locked in literally this wall. Okay? Paul says, I, I am a prisoner of the law of sin, which is in my members. And this is getting him extremely upset and extremely frustrated. He said, I want to be a good guy, but I end up doing stuff I don't want to do. 
and then he cries out literally. And sometimes we have to get to a desperate state in our lives to get freedom. And he gets to this very desperate state. And he says, wretched man, this is verse 24, wretched man that I am. I mean, when you call yourself wretched, that means you are frustrated and you're not happy with yourself. And the picture is not a good picture. Wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? Who will set me free from the body of this death? So the way I see Paul at this point, uh, he's saying, I feel there's a slavery. Something's holding me back. It's If you remember the movies, uh, some of the old days, the ball and chain, and you can picture the, the chain gang, you know, and they're walking down the road, but they're shackled in the ankle. Uh, and there's a ball. And they have to drag that. Why? It's a way of restraining them from breaking loose. And I think there's people that go through, and I'm talking about not just non-Christians, definitely non-Christians, but I think there's also Christians that go through their entire Christian walk with, uh, in a sense, a ball and a chain, and they're, they don't have a free stride. They're always pulling this ball and chain that's bothering them and holds them hostage. So what are, what are some of the bondages? And I think there's a lot of bondages that can hold us back. It could be a non-believer, and this could also bleed over into a believer's life. Uh, there's many of these, but when I was thinking of bondages, there were five specific ones that came to my mind. So the first bondage, I think, can be the bondage of guilt. And this is a person that constantly feels condemned, constantly feel condemned. They are perpetually beating themselves up. They can't accept God's forgiveness. And they, they feel like, you know, I, that I, I'm, a, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner. I'm no good. And they hear the voice. And Satan is really good. He's very good putting his voice in there and saying, you're worthless. Uh, you're a loser. You're this, you're that. Um, but the Bible is very clear that God does not want us to live under the bondage of a guilty conscience all the time. Because again, uh, the book of Romans is an amazing book. And if you see where we were, if you look at Romans 8.1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is no condemnation. So biblically, we should not be living with guilt. The Bible is very clear. It says in 1 John, if we confess our sin, if we confess our sin, own up to it, the Lord says he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to what? Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. It could be like somebody that's extremely dirty. Uh, and the Lord says, you know, I'm going to take the soap and the water of my word and my spirit, and I'm going to wash you clean as if you've never sinned. So one of the real barriers, I think, in bondages is people can carry the ball and chain of guilt and condemnation like a black cloud over their head throughout their life. And that is not what God wants. The second bondage I see is the bondage of addictions. A bondage of addictions. And the ones I think that come to mind immediately would be drugs alcohol, 
right off the bat, boom. I don't want to drink, but I drink. I don't want to take drugs, but I do. There's other addictions, certain types of pills people can get hooked on. There's bondages to smoking. Over the years, I've heard many people, oh, I just don't want to smoke, but I, I, I do it. A big one right now in the population, but even in the church, is pornography. Unfortunately, we're told that stats are telling us this is increasing. Bondages to buying things, binge buying. I've got to go out. I've, I've got to go out and shop, 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 trying to fill an emptiness on the inside. Bondages to food. Overeating, like I know I shouldn't eat. I know, but I, I eat and I eat and I eat and I eat and I eat to somehow bring a calm to myself. Addictions to watching TV. Some people like it's almost a good part of the day. I'm going to watch the soaps. I'm going to do this and that, but and they get hooked to the TV. And the one I find very interesting uh, that studies are showing, particularly in our youth, bondages to texting. Believe it or not, it's like, I, I can't not text. I got to have my phone. I got to be able to text. And they're doing all this. And the fact sometimes when you go out to eat, sometimes it's fun, interesting. I'm seeing people and the, the family that's sitting together and everybody's sitting there doing this texting thing. It's almost like, literally, it's a form of an addiction. I can't stop doing it. I do not believe God wants us as his children to carry the ball and chain of an addiction, and that could be any one of us that we might be wrestling with something. I think another ball and change that people have is carrying bitterness. Bitterness, a grudge. Somebody did something to me in the past, and I'm not gonna let it go. And it, it just, it seethes within them, it boils within this anger, you did that to me. And they play that over and over in their mind and, and it just fires them up, gets them bitter. They hold a grudge and it be, literally begins to eat them up on the inside. So it, definitively, you do not want to carry that ball and chain. It will short circuit your walk with the Lord. No doubt about it. The fourth bondage I see is the bondage of jealousy. Where people are consumed with comparing themselves with other people. And it basically finds its root in, I want what you have. I'm not satisfied with what I have. I want what you have. I want your fame. I want to have the money that you have. I want to have the material possessions that you have. And jealousy can literally eat them alive. It's like they can't find a piece. They always want, I want, I want, I want what that person has. So that's the ball and chain. We have guilt addictions, bitterness, jealousy. And the last one I would throw up here would be uh, the bondage of anxiety and fear. And I think that that has gone around, obviously, to some level to most of us during the COVID season. We, we felt fear knocking at the door of our lives. But the anxiety and fear I'm talking about, it's more of a paralyzing fear, not a, a fear that's trying to knock at the door but a fear that's literally almost taken over a person's life and they're paralyzed. Like, what if this happens? What if that happens? And they're always on edge. What if, what if, what if? And they live in the state of anxiety and the state of fear. So for many people, particularly non-Christians, 
this can be a lifestyle. Uh, and that's that. But unfortunately, even for Christians, one or more of these bondages uh, can haunt them, literally, and haunt them through an entire lifetime. So the big question today is, does God want us to live like that? Okay, it's a, it's a question we need to wrestle with. Does God want us to live in a state of bondage? And the Bible answer to that is definitively no, 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 no. Go back, if you would, to Romans chapter 7. And, you know, Paul makes that cry, Romans 7, 24. Again, hear what Paul said. As he reaches the end of his rope, as he's frustrated out of his mind, he cries out in Romans 7, 24, wretched man that I am, who will set me free from the body of this death? In other words, he said, I've given it my best shot. I've tried everything I can possibly do to break the chains that are holding me down and in bondage. Who can set me free? I need a savior. I need a deliverer. Somebody's got to do for me what I can't do for myself. Listen to what Paul says. He gets the answer. Who will set me free from the body of this death? Romans 7.25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul says, who's going to set me free? Who's going to set me free? Who's going to set me free? And in a moment of revelation and inspiration, the Holy Spirit shows him the answer is only God can set us free from our bondages through Jesus Christ. Only God, the power of the Holy Spirit can set let me give you a couple of verses, uh, and, and these verses affirm that God is bigger than any bondage you may be facing today. So let me say that again loud and clear, and I'd say it to each of us this morning. God, according to the Bible, and again, that's, that's our guide, okay, the guidebook that God inspired is clearly saying God is bigger than any of the bondages, the five that I listed, or any other that I didn't list. God is bigger than any bondage we may be facing today. Let me give you a scripture here. John chapter 8, verse 36. John 8, 36. Jesus said this himself, okay? This is the ultimate source of truth. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. If therefore the Son shall make you free, you shall be free in, indeed. And I, I hear Paul almost using an exclamation mark. If therefore the Son shall make you free, and then he almost like puts an exclamation mark, you shall be free indeed. And then here's the challenge is, do we really believe that? Do you really believe that? Do I believe that scripture? Either the scripture is the truth or it's not. Either we believe it or we don't believe it, but it's going to make all the difference in the world if we do believe it. Because again, Jesus 
the son of God says, if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. And he means free from the bondages that I just talked about and any other bondage that can occur. So let's get the tire on the road where we live. Okay, that's good theology. That's good doctrine. Jesus can set us free. But experientially, how does that actually happen? We can give all the theology up in the brain, but how does this walk out in my everyday life, in your everyday life, to see this actually occur? And I think the Lord is saying, from what I can see biblically, God the Father sets us free through Jesus' death on the cross. He dealt with sin. He dealt with the guilt. But he also dealt with the bondages legalistically on the cross. It's done. Jesus said, it is finished. I've dealt with it all. With any bondage, I've broken it. But experientially, it's released through the third person in the Trinity, which is the Holy Spirit. So catch these three verses about freedom from the Holy Spirit. This is, again, this is Romans. It's so cool. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So it's liberty comes through Christ. Jesus said, I'll set you free. But it says how? It says in the spirit of life in Christ. So the father sends the son and the son sends the Holy Spirit, who's not a force. He's a personality that lives in you. And I hear Paul saying, as we yield to the Holy Spirit, he begins to break the bondages that hold us tight. Let me give you two other verses. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17. Now the Lord, and that would be Jesus, okay? Now the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Now, the Lord, Jesus, is the Spirit. They're kind of intertwined. What's true of the Father is true of the Son is true of the Spirit. They work as a team. And as the Father works through the Son, through the Holy Spirit, he says here, there is liberty. Uh, let me give you one last verse, Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. Paul says this, walk in the Spirit. Walk in the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh <coughs> or the bondages of the flesh. Walk by the spirit, and you will not carry out the desires of the flesh. Okay, so the sun sets us free on the cross. That's made real through the Holy Spirit. But again, let me try to even make it more practical in an everyday kind of a setting to try to make it a little bit more um, real, you might say, in our everyday life. So let's just say you're fighting a bondage to cigarette smoking. It could be any of the other ones I'm talking about. It could have been, a, it can be a bondage to guilt, addictions, bitterness, jealousy, anxiety, fear, whatever. But I'm just going to pick cigarette smoking because over the years as a pastor, I've heard a number of people and they just say, Pastor, I want to stop smoking. I want to stop. I want to stop. I want to stop, but I can't. I want to stop and I can't.
So let's just use cigarette smoking as an illustration of some form of a bondage you and I might be wrestling with. I think the first thing we need to know <laughs> if we're dealing with a bondage is do not focus on the bondage. Do not focus on the bondage. Don't focus on the problem. And again, when I, I hear people speaking, I hear them say, I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. No, 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 I'm not going to smoke. All of their attention, all of their focus is on the problem. It's on the bondage. They're looking at the problem. They're looking at the bondage. And basically what they're suddenly doing is they're trying to beat this thing with their own ability and their own power. I'm not going to smoke. I'm not going to smoke. They're trusting in themselves. I don't think we, we see it directly, um, but it's just subtle that we think we're trusting God, but we're really trusting in me. No, I'm not going to smoke. So I would say a better approach to that would be, Lord, I've tried to break the bondage of smoking over and over and over and over and over again. It isn't working, Lord. So, Lord, I'm asking you to do for me what I can't do for myself. Lord, I don't want to smoke. I can't stop this in my own ability and power. But I'm yielding to your Holy Spirit in me. And Holy Spirit, I'm trusting you to do for me what I can't do for myself. I'm trusting you to do this. Now, think about it. Is the Lord who made the heavens of the earth, the Lord who keeps every star in the right spot, the Lord who gives billions of people the next breath, is, is that God, is he big enough to stop somebody from smoking? Man, if he can't do that, we better throw it in. And we'll just turn on the soap off right now because then we're done. Is the God who made the heavens and the earth, is he bigger than anything else is he bigger we looked at is he bigger than guilt you better believe he is is he bigger than any addiction you might be facing absolutely is he bigger than a bitterness absolutely is he bigger than jealousy or anxiety or feel fear yes 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 he is bigger so i, I think the, the the practicality is lord i can't beat the bondage but you can and lord i focus not on my problem. I don't focus on my bondage. I focus on you, the big God, who's able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all I ask or all that I might think. Is that bondage immediately removed when you do that? I know people that have been miraculously, they prayed that prayer. I've given up trying to do this on my power. I'm trusting you, Lord, to break this bondage. And I've known people that have instantaneously, literally instantaneously have been set free of cigarette smoking, have been instantly set free from an alcohol addiction and said, I, I, all taste of alcohol went boom, just like that. I don't believe from what I've experienced over a number of years of ministry that everybody is immediately set free from a bondage instantaneously. God can do an instantaneous miracle. In many cases, it's progressive. And we need to take the verses that I've talked about 
and we need to meditate on them and we need to soak in them uh, till they penetrate us to deeper levels. And as we progressively do these, then the Bible says the truth will set us free. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. So it may be an instantaneous miracle or it may be a process. Uh, I'll give you an illustration. Uh, one of those battles uh, that could hold us in bondage is bitterness. And in my first church, uh, I had a battle with bitterness. It was not an instantaneous deliverance. There was a fellow in the church uh, that was spreading rumors about me that were false. I had counseled he and his wife, and I was trying to point out in that situation in marriage counseling, I felt that he was doing something wrong. And he was one of the leaders in the church. And I confronted him straight out, and he did not like it at all. He thought I was siding with the wife. And he began then to go behind the scenes and say negative things about me, which was not very nice and was not helping the ministry to go forward at all. And I know when he did that, that got me fired up and I could feel the temptation inside to like, oh, I want to get even. And I remember vividly, I would get up in the morning and I'd shave. And as I'm shaving, looking in the mirror and I'm seeing that man's face. I mean, it, bitterness was trying to get a hold of me. And I said, Lord, I know you don't want this. But there was almost like Paul to a level, Lord, I, I don't want it, but it would knock at the door. I don't want it, Lord, and it would knock at the door. But as I kept taking the word, I said, Lord, you don't want this. I don't want this, and stood on that. Then as the weeks went by, uh, I think that battle was won. It wasn't an easy battle. It wasn't instantaneous. But what God's word said did happen. So <clears throat> if you're having a bondage today, Jesus can set you free. He can set you free as you yield to the spirit, as you trust in him. But it may not be an immediate thing. So I wouldn't get discouraged if you're not immediately seeing an addiction broken overnight. But I do know God is bigger than the addiction. And God's word says, because God's bigger, there will become freedom and there will become liberty. So as we're wrapping up here, the first point was we can either live in bondage or freedom. And the second point is there's results for living in bondage and there's results for living in freedom. The results for living in bondage are not happy. And we probably all wrestle with some bondages at some point in our lives in the past, and maybe we're doing it now. But living in bondage isn't a happy thing. It's very frustrating. It makes us miserable. It makes us angry people. Uh, it just it just is. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the world lives in that state. They've not accepted Christ. And they're not happy people. They're pretty miserable. Uh, and unfortunately, there's Christians uh, who made a commitment to Jesus Christ. But literally, they, they live a defeated Christian life their whole life. Are they going to go to heaven? Yeah. But they've not known the power of the freedom that Jesus had purchased on the cross and exercises now through us through the Holy Spirit. There's other people that are in slavery to sin and they don't even want to break free. They're happy in their sin. They don't turn from their sin. And the Bible says that's not a good picture because 
one of the verses in our study today, Romans 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. And for an unbeliever, and for a believer, we're all going to die. That's why physically our bodies die because of sin. For the believer, we have a better hope, which I'll talk about in a minute. But for an unbeliever, it's not just physical death. Uh, the Bible says when they die, they're separated then from God for eternity because they basically told God, I'm not interested and I don't want anything to do with you. And I believe the Lord has knocked on every human being's heart hundreds of times in a lifetime, maybe even more so, trying to get an unbeliever to open their heart. And God's knocked and knocked and said, open the door in any number of ways. And they said, no, 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 no. And friends, if people say no, 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 at some point, God says, okay, I get the point. You said no. Okay. Then you've chosen to live without me for eternity. That's another word for living in hell. So there are wages. It says the wages, the results of sin is death. For an unbeliever, it means separation in hell. The wages of sin and bondage to some believers is a defeated life because they never know the power of the Holy Spirit. There's also results for those that walk in freedom. Jesus said very clearly in John 10, 10, he said, I came that you might have life and have it what? Abundantly. No, Jesus didn't say, I came that you'd have life and have it abundantly. He didn't say that you're going to have a problem-free life. Then nobody believer or non-believer that has a problem free life we're all going to have problems but i think the lord says for a believer you can have an abundant life and even in the midst of trials and circumstances and heartaches you can still experience my love my peace and my joy and one other thing uh paul says not only that you can have an abundant life like jesus paul says that he says in verse uh chapter 6 verse 22, he says this, but now having been freed from sin and enslaved to God, you derive your benefit. What's the benefit? Resulting in sanctification and the outcome eternal life. The benefit of walking in freedom is sanctification. What's sanctification? Sanctification is the process through which we come more and more holy through the journey through life. How do you become more and more holy? You yield to the Holy Spirit. He is holiness itself. Holiness is not a thing. Holiness is not a state. Holiness is a person. And if you yield to the Holy, quote, Holy Spirit, he will then produce who he is in you, which is a lifestyle of holiness. Or another way of saying that is the more you yield to Jesus and the more you yield to the Holy Spirit, you're going to look like him more and more and more and more and more. So freedom results in looking more like Jesus. But freedom results not only that. It results in, as Paul says, and the outcome, eternal life. As we yield to the Holy Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. We begin to experience them to a level in this life the more we yield to the Spirit. But it's never perfect here we're on a journey we get more and more holy as the days go on ideally but there comes a point when we die 
where we will be in the presence of Jesus forever. And there we will experience his supernatural love, joy, peace in its full measure. Uh, and we are going to be blown away, I think, when we get to heaven. There is going to be such a state of peace and joy because we will be in Christ's immediate presence. And it will be literally something that will, I think, leave us totally speechless and full of worship. Eternal life, I think John tells us, I think, best about that in the book of Revelation, chapter 21. And he talks about eternal life. He says, uh, Revelation 21, chapter 21, verse 3 and 4, he says this. And I heard a loud voice saying from the throne, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and he shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be among them. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. Guess what, folks? There will not be any more tears in heaven. We have plenty of them here. He says, he shall wipe away from uh, their eyes every tear. There shall no longer be any death. So we're not talking about we have to go through this death process. We do it once here as believers. But not only that, uh, there will be no longer any death. There's no longer going to be any sickness. Not at all. Uh, that will be a thing of the past. There shall no longer be any mourning. We all mourn. Uh, we can mourn the death of a loved one, but just mourning the, 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 the struggles of life. Paul says the struggles are done. There will be no more mourning, no more crying. As he said, he'll wipe every tear from our eyes. And it says there will no longer be pain. Folks, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain in life. There's physical pain. We know what that's like, most of us, I'm sure. There's mental pain and torment. There's emotional pain. A lot of pain. And it says here in eternal life in Christ, no crying, no pain, no mourning. So obviously, we don't want to choose being in bondage or in slavery to sin. We want to choose freedom through what Jesus did on the cross and in the power of the Holy Spirit. And I just end with this by any chance, if there's someone here that's never opened their life to Christ, it all starts there. The road to freedom begins when we turn our life over to Christ and accept him as our own personal Savior and Lord. Meaning there comes a point where we say, Lord, I can't pull this off. I've sinned. I'm in bondage. I can't fix my life. I need a Savior. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. And with such a thankful spirit, Lord, if you died for me, the least I can do is live for you and make you my Lord. And I seek to follow you. When we say that sincerely, the Bible says we're born again, we become a new creature, and we start a whole new journey. So if you've never opened your life to the Lord, boy, what better day to do it than right now, and then to turn him loose. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity to open your word. We thank you for your word that can set us free, Lord, because it tells us the realities of life from your perspective. And Lord, I want to pray for each one of my brothers and sisters. Lord, if there's some form of a bondage in any of our lives, 
It could be one of the five I've listed. It could be some other thing that seems to, to hold us down like that ball and chain picture or a prison picture. Lord, we thank you. I pray for each one, Lord, that you would break the bars, Lord, of the prison. Uh, Lord, not only that you would break the bars of a prison, but Lord, you cut the ball and chain off. And that people, Lord, each of us could be set free to enjoy you, uh, to be set free, to be able to share your good news in a world that desperately needs it. So, Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what it's going to do in us and through us today. And, Lord, just send us forth with your blessing. And, Father, we thank you just even for this Christmas season that you came to be with us and give us freedom. And it's in your name we ask of Jesus. Amen. Amen. May you folk have a very blessed Christmas and a blessed New Year coming up. See you soon.